Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. I'm going to tell you a lovely story that's going to make you feel really hungry. Um, so, um, we're doing a kind of series on, as obviously it's getting towards Christmas, it has to be on the nativity, doesn't it? Can't, can't move away from that, so the kind of Christmas story. Um, and my Christmas story is going to start with fish, which is obviously very traditional um, to eat fish at Christmas time. Um, when I was, I'm going to put this massive caveat in here, when I was about 14 years old, okay? So just everyone remember that, this was 14-year-old me, okay? Not 30-year-old or 25-year-old, 14-year-old me. I was at a youth camp, and... Um, on that youth camp, there was obviously some of the youth leaders and those kind of things. And I was not a youth leader, I was just one of the youth. And I was 14 years old. Let me just make that crystal clear, 14 years old, okay? Um, and we'd obviously, as 14-year-old kids on a Christian youth camp, as you do, um, you mess about and do stupid things, um, like fall out of trees and all kinds of other stuff and, and run about at night and annoy the youth leaders and that kind of stuff. But this one thing we did kind of peaked all of that. There was a group of guys, uh, one of these, I think he was from Wales, um, and he'd done something to our tent as part of a kind of payback for some of the stupid thing we'd done to their tent or something like that. So we thought we'll go one more. And so we got a fish um, <coughs> from the supermarket, um, and we put this fish on the radiator of his car. Um, so then when he obviously didn't drive his car during the week on the youth camp, so when he started his car, um, the smell of fish continued to permeate into the inside of the car. And obviously, having no clue where this smell comes from, um, it stayed for a long, long time. Because like, why is my car smell of fish all the time? Um, <laughs> so this kind of smell of fish lingered for ages and ages and ages and ages. Um, thankfully, we never got sort of figured out it was us, which was great. Okay, there's so many kids there, could have been anyone. Um, but I feel that, that in the kind of grand scheme of things, I remember being kind of paid back, I suppose, not maybe even paid back, but it's quite a funny story that I then one day, and I, anyone that's been in my car will know, I like cars to smell nice, I hate cars that stink, okay, I love the vanilla trees um, that make the car stink of vanilla, because it smells nice then. Um, and I once went for fish and chips with somebody, and they, and I don't really like fish from a chip shop anyway, but they went for fish and chips with somebody, and they, they decided to... Um, order fish and chips, traditional fish and chips. I was like, okay, that, that, that's fine. And we started to eat the fish and chips. And I didn't order fish. I had like a kind of kebab meat or something like that, really healthy. Um, and had that in the car. Didn't realise that actually when you eat fish from fish and chips in a car, the smell of the fish doesn't go when the fish and chips are gone. It stays in the car for absolutely weeks and months later. <laughs> so I was then driving around in my car for literally about two months with the smell of fish constantly in my car. Um, and it just drove me mad because I just cannot stand like bad smells in my car. I was like, I don't want to get in. I don't, I don't want to drive my car. I prefer to walk because I just don't want this smell of fish. Um, now those stories are obviously very traditional to do with the nativity, to do with the kind of um, Emmanuel, Jesus coming to earth, etc, etc, etc. But the reason I tell those stories is sometimes that smell of fish for the guy who drove off to Wales on his long journey home and smelt fish the entire journey home in that three hour journey from the youth camp. I was very glad he went and became a youth leader there. Um, And then for me, the months afterwards, driving around with fish, is sometimes what we feel, or I feel at least, about kind of my relationship and walk with God that I have stages where I feel close 
I have stages where um, I feel close and I feel intimate. I feel, I, feel the, I, I feel more aware of the presence of God. I feel more aware of the fact that God's with me. But eventually, like that fish, eventually, it was a long time later, but like eventually that, that fish smell dissipates. Sometimes it feels like it dissipates. And it's kind of like, okay, life feels a bit difficult right now. feels a bit tough right now. I don't particularly feel close to God for whatever reason. Um, and it could be that, that for me sometimes, you, we have times of worship like this morning where, where it's very, I find this morning, very easy to feel that, God, you're with me, you're for me, I love you. That's fantastic. Monday morning, Waking up and going to teach bottom set year nine doesn't feel as close, um, for whatever reason that may be. Or waking up and going to have a difficult meeting with your boss or, 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 work, or working on a different, difficult caseload or whatever it may be. Sometimes it doesn't feel as close. It might. It might feel that it's that same sense of intimacy and that, that, that same sense of closeness. But, but my point is that there's seasons, isn't there, where we feel close and we feel intimate and we feel that God's with us and God's for us not necessarily because circumstances are going well but just because we sense it and there's this is where that, that kind of just dissipates and that, 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 that kind of sense just goes in the same way the fish smell just disappears from the car eventually um, it just doesn't feel as close anymore and I think I believe that some of that for me personally for me is to do with the way that I think about stuff that, that, that growing up in Christian circles you, you kind of create mindsets in your mind of like this is what it means to be close to God this is what it means when God's with you this is what it means and there's thought processes and there's attitudes and there's mindsets that are created that, that some are great and are fantastic and I'm so thankful for them but some are so restrictive and binding and, and, and affecting my expectation and my belief about God being with me and I think those mindsets can cause us to question and doubt sometimes and, and, and not and not have that sense of like I don't feel this therefore he's not close or this isn't like this therefore he's not close and whatever it may be and I want to this morning and this might be uncomfortable because it hasn't been comfortable for me when I've been looking at this in the last few months and stuff and I, I know that's a great way to start a message that you will feel uncomfortable this morning which is fantastic aren't you glad you came um, but I think it's helpful because I think when we find things uncomfortable sometimes, it's not because they are uncomfortable, it's because it changes our thinking. And sometimes we have such entrenched, I have, so, I, I have some ridiculously entrenched trains of thought that to me are the most logical things in the world. But God's going, that ain't helping you. That's not helping you whatsoever. But I will battle it and I will fight it to keep that train of thought. But if I was to look in hindsight and go, why did I try and fight and keep that train of thought? Or that, that, that mindset, it's like, I'd have no idea. But in the moment, it's like, I don't want to let go of it. I might think I want to let go of it, but I'm really going, I don't want to let go of it. I like it. I like thinking like that for whatever reason. And that's the uncomfortable part. That's the part that kind of makes it challenging. And it's fascinating because I want to talk about Emmanuel this morning. And Emmanuel is obviously, it's actually bizarrely, we talk about it a lot, but it's actually only mentioned three times in the whole Bible. That Emmanuel, the idea that, 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 that God being with us, that that statement in itself is phenomenal, but it's only mentioned three times. There's other points where it refers to the idea of God being with us. But actually the word Emmanuel, the name Emmanuel, is only three times. The three times it mentioned is also really interesting because two of them are in Isaiah. And the, the ones in Isaiah, they are Isaiah 7 verse 14, if you're making notes, and Isaiah 8 verse 8. Um, and, it, and it's... A message to King Ahaz, who is in the middle of facing a battle. And this battle is kind of his fear, his worry, his anxiety of um, an army coming to take his territory. And, 
and, and the promise and the, and the kind of declaration from God is, look, Emmanuel is that God is with you. That it's amazing in the sense that when, when he's facing a challenge, the, the, the response isn't, yeah, we'll sort that out. Or yeah, that will change. But, but the response is, Emmanuel. The response is, God with you. In the same way that when Jesus came, so I talked about him, would do a much better job at this than me, but in the same sense that when Jesus came, there's such a political and religious and social turmoil going on in in that time in terms of the way that people are interacting with each other, the way that the Roman Empire is trying to kind of... um, extend and expand the way that the kind of religious leaders are hyped up expecting someone to come in and and, and overthrow everything that opposes them everything that stands against their religious stance and their religious belief in the same way that the the kind of social people have been oppressed and 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 abused and 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 kind of not treated well you've got this all this mixing pot of stuff going on and god's answer is emmanuel god's answer is look i'll come and be with you and we have in our own lives I have in my life stuff that I don't like that I think God I don't like it like this I don't want it like this that's not good enough it's not successful I want to feel that there's more success in this area or this area I want that to be better or that's so hard or that's so difficult and I get kind of that kind of sense of like oh my life's so difficult it's really really not but I get that sense oh my life's so difficult and God's answer is not like let me transform every situation so it feels good God's answer is Emmanuel God's answer is I'm with you now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that circumstances don't change because the gospel of Jesus Christ is that circumstances do change he came and changed people's lives brought people back from they were dead back to life they were blind and caused them to see but the point isn't first that the point is that Jesus came to them that Emmanuel came to them that Jesus was with them and I really believe that God wants to shake he's shaking my thinking and there's points where, I, like I said, I do not like it. I don't want to feel and think the way that it's almost exposing. I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't want that. But he's shaking it to go, look, the point here is that God's with you. I want that to be the thing that captures you more than anything else. That I'm with you. And I believe that when that starts to shift, and for me, I believe that what I'm sharing this morning is something that's going to be something that's significant for next year, in 2017. But for me personally, I want that awareness, the fact, God, you're with me. To be the thing that dictates and determines the way I think. That when I when I face difficulties, it's not going, okay, let's solve that problem. But first my thought is that God, you're with me. You're with me. And therefore, from that place, let's move forward. From that situation, let's move forward. There's so many scriptures. And I want to just talk a little bit about this. This has gone a completely different direction from my notes, which is fine. It's always good fun. Um, Matthew 28. I'm not going to read all these, but Matthew 28, 18 to 20 talks about the fact that Jesus commissioning his disciples and says, look, I'm going to be with you forever. So this idea that Jesus said, I'm going to be with you forever. Um, Acts 1 and 2, and sort of looking at John 15, 16, 17, the idea that Jesus said, look, I'm going to go, physical Jesus, I'm going to go, but there's going to be someone else that comes. And he said, look, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And they waited in Acts 1 and 2 and they waited and the Holy Spirit came and Jesus said look it's better that I leave and that he comes like, like this kind of wrestling tag team thing ultimate fighting champion whatever I don't have a clue about this kind of stuff but I knew that would wake you up so that's fine okay um, but the point is that this kind of tag team thing that, that Jesus said look I'm going to go guys look I, I'm leaving 
But when I've left, and when I almost do this tag team thing, like, Holy Spirit, you come. And it's that same thing that God with us. It's that same thing, Emmanuel, that Holy Spirit is Emmanuel. Mm. That he he is with us. Um, And then you've also got this idea in Hebrews 13, where where it's talking about um, Jesus, the the Father, it's talking about the Holy Spirit, saying, look, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will ne- it says in the Amplified, it says, I will never relax my hold and I will in no way give you up or let you down. This idea of just like complete connection. That we are sitting now and there is no, there is zero, there is nothing to do with that there's any way that, that, that you are separate from God right now. There, there is no division. That as we sit in this space now, not because it's a Sunday morning, not because we're in church, but because he has said, I am with you forever. That he is, the, 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 he is closer than my skin. I'm more connected to him than the smell of a fish in a car. I'm more connected to him than the person I'm most connected to in this world. I'm more connected and, and, and together with him than anything. The, the, there is no dividing line. It's a really sad thing, and I don't know why this is relevant, but it came across my mind earlier, and I'm going to just share it. Hopefully it'll be great for somebody. Maybe mathematicians in the room. Um, some of my math kids, and I'm going to get this completely wrong, because I'm not mathematical at all, talk about the fact that 0.99 reoccurring equals 1, because there's no end to 0.99 reoccurring, and it, therefore it has to equal 1, or something to do with that. Jews nodding, which is a good encouragement <laughs> point. Okay, that's fantastic. I'm looking for that. All right. Um, now, that doesn't mean anything to me, okay? I'm like, well, it doesn't, because it's 0.99 reoccurring. It's not one, okay? But they're going, no, no, it is, because it doesn't stop, and therefore there's no way of saying... Anyway, the point is that even in that, if you don't get that, you join the crew, because I don't get it either. But my point is, even in that, in my mind, there's still a separation, isn't there? No matter how much you reoccur nine, there's still a separation between 0.99 reoccurring and one. Mm-hmm. There's still some gap. And the point is that there's not even that gap. There's not even those, the most minuscule and small gap between us and him. Not even the tiniest thing. There is no separation. Whether we, we create one in our minds, but there's none. That I stand here now connected to the almighty, eternal, one who holds the span of the universe, so the, the universe and the span of his hand, I'm connected to him now. And I'll go home and be just as connected. I'll go and be grumpy with Susie and be just as connected. I'll go and provide food for the homeless and be just as connected. In all those circumstances, everything in between, he never leaves or forsakes us. He never lets go. We remain just as connected. When I am having a shower, I'm just as connected. When I'm washing up, which I clearly do a lot, I'm just as connected. Okay? (laughs) All those circumstances, all those things, the noble things, the rubbish things, the best things about me, the worst things about me, the good and the bad, no matter how extreme they go, no matter how good I can become in my, in my conduct and behaviour, no matter how bad I could become, he is just as connected with me in those points. Because the amazing thing is, he's, he demonstrates it, doesn't he? Because he, he goes to the woman caught in adultery, one of my favourite accounts. He goes to her and he demonstrates his connectedness because he, she, she is in the dirt, having been brought to him by the religious leaders. She, she's in the dirt and he connects with her by going down on his knees into the dirt and he's not demonstrating that just to be nice he's demonstrating I'm, I'm, I'm with you it, even in my physical state where our connection is separated by flesh and bone 
I'm with you. In the same way that he goes to Zacchaeus, who is a tax collector, who is not a nice person. It's not that he's some noble tax collector, he's not a nice person. He's not like, oh, but Zacchaeus is a different kind of tax collector. He's not. He's a tax collector that took money from people more than he should and stole it. Okay? And we kick off. I don't like that politician, he's stealing money from people. And so did Zacchaeus. But Jesus still went, I'm going to come to your home. So he, he connects himself, not just with the poor, prostitute potentially, but with the rich, tax collector. He's demonstrating in both those things, like, I am with you. Because he's speaking to something that's so much bigger than coming to his home for dinner or being in the dirt with her. He's going, look, I'm with you. I'm with you whether it looks good for me or bad for me. I'm with you whether you're murdering people or saving people. I'm with you in both those spaces. Doesn't mean he condones it, but he's with them in both those spaces. And I don't think, I don't think, you may be brilliant, but I don't think that really sinks in. Like properly. I don't really think that I believe that Jesus is genuinely with, no separation at all, people who do atrocities against other people. I think I believe it here. Of course that's true. But here, I'm not sure I believe it. Because when I mess up, not by murdering somebody or doing something terrible, but just by some stupid mistake I make, I think in some way in my life, I doubt it. I don't think I go, God, you're with me right now. Thank you so much for that. I think it creates doubt. I think it creates uncertainty. And, and, and I question and I kind of say, really? Are you really with me right now? And I think when I do good things, I think I feel closer. Because I'm doing something good. And I'm where you be, Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing this noble thing. And I think it makes me feel closer. Yeah. And I worry that it makes me feel closer. <coughs> because doing a good thing doesn't make me any closer to him than doing a bad thing it takes me further away. He stays with me in both circumstances. No difference, no separation. He is not even the gap between 0.99 reoccurring and Trish wasn't in the room, which would have been a really helpful person to be in the room. Um, but 0.99 reoccurring equals one. Not even that gap. Not even that that separation. Now, there's a nod. That, because I'm talking some sense, okay? Um, there's not even that separation. He's always with us. The Nicodemus is a religious leader coming to Jesus at night, clearly not okay with coming to him in the daytime. But Jesus is with him. Religious, prostitute, murderer, tax collector, everybody. No matter who we are, he's with us now. There's no separation. And this is the fundamental reason why. Because he chose to be. He decided to be. He said, I will come and be with you. And because he's made that decision, it doesn't change. And therefore... I pray for myself and for us as a community that I become more aware of his decision and what he is deciding and not my own ability to go, can I feel close to God? But that I become consumed with the fact that you said you're never going to leave me or forsake me. You said, I'm Emmanuel, I am with you. You said, no no matter what, you're there. And I get myself caught up with what he said, not what I can do. Not what I can engineer and manage to kind of make myself feel it. And I believe the Holy Spirit is coming now, even now, and and starting to wrestle with. Because for me, we'll jump a bit here. For me, 
I am finding that it's annoying and I don't like it. But there's a book, um, and sorry, I think you've read this, Richard Raw called Immortal Diamond. And he talks about the fact that we go through life and we, and we kind of almost, this is going to massively summarise it, but we go, go through life and we almost put on layers of identity. That, for example, I get into certain stages of life and I might be really successful at something. So my, so my GTP, my teacher training year, I was the best on that thing. And it's lovely. And even say, no, no, I was the best, okay. But that becomes a layer of identity. I was the best on my GTP. And that's nothing wrong with being the best on that. That's important. I'm not, not saying that that's wrong. But me taking that as a layer of identity is not good. Because then when I'm not the best in a circumstance, my identity shakes. Mm. Or it might be that, that um, I don't know, I was, I, I was excellent at doing a certain... I, I was quite good at squash when I was growing up. I was really good at squash. I could beat people playing squash and therefore that becomes a layer of identity. Or that, or that I was very popular at school and that becomes a layer of identity. Or I wasn't popular at school and that becomes a layer of identity. But this idea that, that we put these layers on. And for me, I... I I'm one of these stupid people that praise prayers like God. I want more of you at any cost. And he goes, okay, that's fine. And then I have to deal, deal with the cost. I'm like, God, I don't know whether I want this. Okay. Um, but I do. But in the moment, I don't want it. But I'm finding myself going, okay, more of you at any cost, God. And he's going, okay, let's deal with some of those layers then. Let's address some of those things where, where you almost hung your identity on, hung your security on. Okay, you're a good teacher. Okay. Let's see how... how Secure that is in your thinking. Because that's not your identity. You're a good husband, a good parent. And there's fundamental things that they are not bad things. It's not a good idea for me to be a teacher and I'm bad in front of kids. That's not what I'm saying at all. But my identity being caught up in that is not good. I, I, I want to be the best parent towards Zachary and Levi I can possibly be. There's nothing wrong with that. But my identity being caught up in the fact I'm a good parent is not okay. I want, I want to be the best husband towards Susie in the world. But my identity being caught up in that... Is not a good thing. Because my identity is separate from all of those things. My identity is completely caught up in that he is with me and he loves me and he, he cares for me and he, 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 he says I am amazing. That's where it is. And I've prayed to God and said, God, I want that. I want that. That no matter what the circumstances, that's where my security rests. And I'm nowhere near there yet. But I can feel God saying, okay, let's deal with some of these layers. And it's not comfortable. It's really not comfortable at all in any way, shape or form. But when I have a moment when I'm not like going, oh my goodness me, please help me. And I look at it and go, actually, no, I'm quite appreciative of that. It's good, but it's not comfortable. And I, and I believe that he's taking us away from this fact that I find security in these areas. And going, actually, I want you to find security in this area. Because that's what he needs. Because those people aren't dictated to by circumstance or opinion, or lack of opinion, and people's negative opinion, they're dictated to by the fact that I, you love me, and therefore I will love people. Anybody. Anybody. And I believe that's where he's taking us in 2017. That's where he's taking me in 2017. Because, and now, I know I'm going, but, but, but I really feel that, that it's a sense of like, Emmanuel it is a wonderful Christmas thing, and this doesn't feel Christmas to you at all, and that's fine, okay? But... That's the bottom line of what Emmanuel means. That I'm with you, whether your identity is amazing or it's rubbish. I'm with you. And, and having that become real takes some of our thinking to be changed and, and, and kind of adjusted. Because I base so much of my thinking on 
if I'm good, you're with me, and if I'm bad, you're not. And if someone said that to me, I'll go, oh, that's not true. Okay, but my thinking still says it's true. The way I behave still says it's true. I have a good day, I feel great, okay? I have a bad day, I feel like the worst person in the world, okay? And I'm not saying we don't have feelings, but I'm saying that somewhere in all that, there's got to be this thing that goes, actually, my day doesn't really dictate a great deal to me. That it, it, yeah, it's difficult, but actually my, my judgment of a good day, this is interesting, my judgment of a good day is not based on how it is for me, but it's based on how it is for someone else. That if I've not been able to help them, that's what makes it a bad day, as opposed to, have I felt good about myself today? That it shifts and it changes, and I'm not putting that on anyone else, but that for me is where I feel like it's going towards, that I become less concerned about what people say, and more concerned about what I believe I've carried that day and how faithful I've been to what God's called me to do that day if you just go to um, Philippians 3 do me a favour that you just blow that balloon up and tie it up as well <laughs> Philippians 3 This is Paul talking, and he's, if we go to verse verse three, Philippians three verse three, it says this: "For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh." That idea is no confidence in what I can muster up and what I can create and what I can manage. Um, it says this. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, i.e. what he can do, what I can create, how I can make things happen, I'm also. So he's basically saying, look, you think you're good? You ain't nothing compared to me. If you, if you think you're kind of it in terms of the way you conduct yourself, the way you, you, you kind of behave, the things that would make people look at you and go, you are like the man. Okay? If you think that, he's saying, look, you're not anything compared to what I was. Okay? Um, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin of a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church concerning the righteousness which is the law blameless so it's basically look I, I nailed it I was good I was kind of the top I was the creme de creme I, I was the best teacher I was the best parent I was the best husband I was the best um, business person I was the best at whatever it is I was the best Okay? Put it into our circumstances. I was the best. And therefore, if you want to look at kind of confidence and kind of security in the way that you conduct yourself, look at me because I was the best from that point of view. If you can be the pinnacle, the best kind of um, whatever employee, whatever you want to look at it, I was it. But he's saying, but these things, that kind of thing of like me being the best in, in what I do and finding my identity <coughs> separate, these things, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Okay, so these good things about me, these things that would make me look like a good guy and kind of like the best and kind of like the top dog. So the one that kind of my GTP, my kind of ability to squash, my parenting, my being a husband, all those things that would say you're a good guy. Okay, my giving to the poor, my being there for people, all those things that say look you're a good guy. All that stuff, he says, I like I'm counting it as loss. I'm saying it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not that it's wrong. Saying, Look, I'm counting it as loss because I'm not letting it dictate to what actually is true. I'm not letting it dictate to actually who, who I am. And then he says in verse 
8, yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. It says, look, not just the good things now, but everything. Everything. So whether it's a good thing that says, look, you're great, you're amazing, you're fantastic, of course God loves you, of course God's for you, of course God, God's with you, because look at you, you're just awesome. He said, all that stuff I count as lost. But actually, all the other stuff that would go, actually, you're an idiot, you're a loser, you're pathetic, look at the, the, the terrible things you've done, look at the awful things you've done. That stuff is what I count as loss. So what you're doing is going, look, I'm not basing who I am or what I'm called to do based on the good or the bad. I'm counting it as all as loss. I'm going to actually, any of that stuff, no matter how amazing I've been this week, no matter how many people I've helped this week, no matter all the, or how many people I've hurt this week, or what, all the mess I've made this week, I count all of that as loss. That I may gain the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. It says in verse 8, For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all, all things and count them as rubbish as dung there's another word i could use i'm not going to use okay um but you poetic license to think what that may be that i may gain christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness not having my own identity not having my own ability to say look how good i am which is from the law but that which is through faith in christ the righteousness which is from god by faith and this is the key that i may know him that God is with us all of the time. All of the time. There's no dividing line between us and Him. But I would humbly suggest to you that our intimacy and our awareness and our closeness to Him is affected by how much confidence I put in my good day or my bad day. That when I count those things as rubbish... And go, actually, those things don't dictate. I just know you because you chose to be with me. That I would suggest that our intimacy and closeness to him goes up. Because now it's not dictated to by, I come in from a bad day at work, I come in from a bad week or a bad month or a bad year, and I come in and I go, okay, oh, man, I don't feel particularly great. I don't feel good. I've not had a good day. And then I don't... I may feel actually I'm not. I don't feel close to God. And it, whatever way I want to say it, but actually that that stuff doesn't dictate that I, I thank you that I, you chose to be with me, that I can know you because you chose to be with me. Or coming from a good day at work and go actually I had a great day at work. So I feel really close to you, God. That's fantastic. It's amazing. Everything's wonderful. But actually that stuff doesn't dictate either. That whether it's high or low, it's like I know you because you chose to know me, because you chose to be with me. And I believe that for me, again, personally, and I hope for us as a community, that I'm starting, and it is literally starting, it's like kind of teaching a child to walk or something like that. It's like I'm starting to realise actually, in a real way, that stuff really does no dictation to who I am or how close I am to God. It just doesn't. And it's not comfortable, because I like to look successful. Okay? I like to be the best. It is an irritating feature about me Beth will know from playing games I don't like to lose anything games FIFA Destiny <laughs> school I want to be the best I want to be the best okay and it, and it drives me and what happens is I look successful because other people go isn't he great isn't he really committed isn't he really driven and in, and in the society we live in that's applauded so what it does is it drives again it's like yeah everyone's clapping everyone's great that's great everyone thinks I'll, I'll keep doing that 
But I've come to a point, I don't know whether it's age or having kids or just, just God, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to actually, that stuff really doesn't amount to much. I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, I was the best teacher, but actually not know you, God. Or the best whatever, but actually not know you. I want to kind of know you. And I know that that will have an impact on my teaching. It'll have an impact on my parenting. It'll have an impact on my, my being a husband and, and leading a church and being a friend and all those kinds. It'll have an impact on those things in a positive sense. But those things don't dictate my identity. They don't dictate who, whether God's with me or not. God's with me because he chose to be with me. And for me, as someone that's driven to be the best, that's a difficult thing to face. It's difficult to then go, actually, okay, yeah, yeah. Actually, if stuff doesn't look good right now, I don't feel like the best right now, you're still with me. Because for me, it's almost breaking that. And when you break something like that, it doesn't feel comfortable. And for every single one of us in this room, it'll be different. It'll be a different thing. It won't necessarily be the same as me. It might be the same as me. But it'll be a different thing. The things that go, yeah, when you do this right, God's with you. When you do this wrong, God's not with you. Whatever it might be, it's somewhere. But God's going, actually, I want to free you from that thinking. I want to almost mess it up a little bit. So you go, oh my goodness, I don't know what I think anymore. And that's scary sometimes. It's like, because I thought you, did, did, I don't know anymore. And it, like, it freaks you out. It, it's, it, it, it's uncomfortable. But in, when you, it's like, oh, wow, you're actually with me. And I know he's with me more now than I would have done six months ago. Even six weeks ago. Because I find those things just, just moving off. And the beautiful thing about this, he says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his, to his death if by any means I may obtain from resurrection from the dead. So the idea that, that when I do come into this intimacy with him, stuff does happen. Stuff does change. The, the, the church is not destined to be the people that are the most unsuccessful and the most worthless and the most kind of ineffective in the world. That's not the destination of the church. The church is people that aren't affected by those labels. That's the church. People that are kind of going, okay... God loves me and he's for me and he's with me whether I'm called the best thing in the world or I'm called the worst thing in the world. Whether I look the best or look the worst. Whether I've done the best or done the worst. He, he's with me. Because those people are free. They're free to love people. They're free to be there for people because there's genuinely no sense of like now give me something back. A compliment or recognition or acknowledgement. There's none of that anymore. The church becomes the freest to love people and therefore actually starts to become and I do say this with genuine kind of hesitation, does become the best in things. Because sometimes the, the freest people are the best. The freest people, the people aren't affected by whether they're praised or criticised, are the best at loving people. Because then they don't love for anything back. Because I know for me, if I do certain things at work, it might look like it's selfless and noble, but in some ways I know it's not because people go, that's fantastic, aren't you just going above and beyond to do for those kids? Don't, don't, don't you just love those kids? It's like, oh yeah, I know I do. But actually I'm doing it because then people say that. Mm-hmm. Therefore actually it's not selfless, it's not noble, it's kind of to feed my ego. It might be helpful, not knocking that, but it's not the same thing. So when, if that wasn't there, would I do it to the same degree? I don't know. I don't know whether I'm there yet. But imagine if I was. Imagine if we were. That actually my choice of doing something is not because I get praise or criticism. My choice of doing something is because I just choose to do it. Because it's what God's shown me to do. It's like I want to love people. I want to care for people. 
Right, we'll be a few more minutes, then we'll be done. <laughs> um, I'm laughing because this is not a few more minutes statement, but I'm going to just drop it and then just walk away from it. Um, so, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, we've talked about this before, but it's not hierarchy. God's not the top. God the Son, second, and the Holy Spirit, third. Okay, it's not like a CEO. The second CEO, the third CEO. Clearly, <laughs> I know stuff about that, don't I? Whatever it be, it's not. It's not that order. Okay, it's got the Father, got the Son, got the Holy Spirit, and it's like this kind of divine interchanging. Okay, it's like like a kind of circle or kind of a, a, a kind of interaction that the, the, they pour themselves out into the next, and then they pour themselves out into the next, and they pour themselves out into the next. So it's like constant, like giving of each other, giving of themselves. And the beautiful thing is, we are called when we. We don't kind of then become, because otherwise it becomes like this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, us. It's like, we kind of think, oh, well, that's okay, it kind of makes sense. Okay? And it shows how much we've been trained to think that way. It's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And then the newer Christians like here, and then the non-Christians like here. Okay? So like, they've got to come up here, and then here, and then it's all okay again. And we kind of have this weird hierarchical view of like of it. But actually what it is, is this kind of divine exchange that goes on like this. And we are brought, not into like here, we are brought into that. And therefore we are now in a situation, sitting here right now, we're, we're in a situation where God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are pouring into us. And then we pour out. And we pour out into each other and back into them. So when we worship and praise, we're not doing something that's kind of like this weird thing. We're actually engaging in that, that kind of divine exchange. That kind of thing, like they're, they're giving from themselves to another, and then they're from another. And we are actually then becoming part of that and giving of ourselves in worship. And I love you so much. And he's going, Oh, yeah, absolutely. As soon as you worship me, I'm just going to pour myself back out again. But what we do is we make it kind of like this like method. It's like I praise God, and then God does something like a formula. It's like I pray, and then God does something. It's not actually that, but when I pray or when I worship, it's like I'm actually giving out, or the biggest one, giving. So I give money. And then God does something, okay? Because it's a magic formula, okay? But actually it's not. Because by giving money, what I'm doing is I'm actually emptying myself. And by emptying myself, that means there's space in me for more to come in. So absolutely, when you sow, you reap. Completely believe that, but not in the way that we necessarily think it. When I sow, I'm, I'm almost creating lack in myself. Because I've given of myself to something else. When there's lack in me, because I'm part of this thing, he goes, okay, there's lack. There you go. And it pours back in again. So actually more money comes back in. It's like, okay. But then the end isn't to get more money. The end is to go, okay, I've got more money. I'll give it again. He's like, okay, you, you, you're lacking again, so I'll, I'll give again. It's like, oh, okay, I've got, okay, I'll give again. And it's like, you're lacking again, so I'll give again. And that in everything. But it's kind of that, that, that whole thing undermines, it's like it, it, it kind of... Is central to everything we do, which is why that really wasn't a three-minute statement. But anyway, that triune thing, that kind of giving of themselves, and us being part of that giving of ourselves. And when I worship, I give of myself, and he just pours back in. It's almost like a competition, like who can give the most? Who can pour out the most? Um, how, much, how much can I give away and then keep giving away? Because as soon as I give it away, he's just like, here you go, then back in it comes it's like come on that's not fair it's like I'll give it away again oh come on but it's like constant and the point of saying all of that stuff is that there's a Bible verse that says God resists the proud gives grace to the humble and I know what I think God resists the proud goes ah, you're proud I'm going to resist you 
okay? Or you're proud and I'm going to teach you a lesson because you're proud. Or you're proud so I'm going to just be distant from you. But God's not distant. God, God is not distant from, from the proud. God is with the proud. Because when Jesus was on the earth, he went to the proud. He went to those who were proudful. Prideful. Prideful. He went to them and he, he spoke to them and he interacted with them to try and bring closeness and intimacy. The, 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 in my mind, pride always has meant God is almost angry. God is at a distance. God is away from. That's not what it means. Pride means this. Balloon full of themselves okay full of hot air it's a wonderful analogy it wasn't actually meant to be like that but you can kind of paint that any way you want to paint it okay pride God okay there is no separation there is no stop the water continues to flow God continues to pour himself out even on the proud you know it's the difference the issue is not that God has gone you're proud I'm going to be distant from you there's no separation. The issue is that the proud one is going, actually, I don't, I don't really need you, in whatever attitude that might be. It could be a religious attitude, it could just be um, a kind of, could, because pride is an attitude. Pride is not a behaviour. You can have a, a humble Pharisee and a proud prostitute. We still have to go, the Pharisees are proud, the prostitutes are humble. Not necessarily. Probably, but not necessarily. But the point is that the, the, the pride is an attitude of heart. And that pride stops us from receiving him as he's giving himself out but it doesn't mean he stops giving himself out it stops us from receiving from him giving himself out and I know there's areas in my life where I stop receiving from him because in whatever way that becomes an area of pride in my thinking so well I'm okay in that area God or, or actually I don't need you in that area or whatever it might be and that's what he's shaking in me that's what he's changing me those areas where there's almost like the pride like if, if that goes well I'm great if I get a good lesson observation, I'm alright. That's okay. And it's almost like a subtle sense of pride. It's like, okay, I'm alright now. I don't actually need you as much now. If I get a bad one, God, please help me. What am I going to do tomorrow when I go into school? It's like suddenly I'm now very dependent and humble and open. But actually in both circumstances, good or bad, it's God, I need you. I absolutely, 100% need you right now. I may be called the greatest Christian that walks the earth, but God, I desperately need you. Or I'm called the worst person that walks the earth. God, I desperately need you. Because pride in our thinking, in our attitudes is there. And then you have, and I'm not going to work now because I've poured all the water out, which is a bit daft. But you have an open balloon that kind of doesn't resist doesn't hold back but as God pours in just, just receives and receives and receives and receives and receives and like I said then, then eventually it pops and that, that popping isn't a bad thing that, that popping is a sense of expression of everything that God's poured in and it reaches people and it touches people and it, and it blesses people and it, and, it, and it kind of expands the capacity to receive that as I put a pan into the offering because that's all I've got I've just created lack in my life as I've just given my time up, I've just created lack in my life. As I've just sown into that person's life, I've just, given, I've just created lack in my life. And that, that's not a bad thing, that's great, it's important. Which is why giving is a sacrifice in whatever area of time, money, resource, energy, whatever. It, it is a sacrifice because if it doesn't cost, it kind of, it, perhaps, I don't know, we'll go there today. But the point is, it is, it is something that creates lack and then he, he just continues to pour in. Continues to pour in, continues to pour in. And my challenge for us, this is apparently a, a, 
Christmas message, by the way, just to let you know. Okay, <laughs> ho ho ho! Merry Christmas. Um, the point being is my my challenge for me and for us is he's going to mess with thinking. He is. Okay, and I apologise about that. Okay, um, but he's going to, and. It won't be like, oh, this is God messing with my thinking. Okay, that's fine. It's not like that. It's not like, oh, yeah, that's fine, God. This is okay. It's like, I don't enjoy this right now. Okay, I don't want. I want this to stop right now. Um, but gonna look, I love you. I care for you. I'm just trying to free some thought processes. I'm trying to free some patterns of thinking because I want you to receive. I want you to come into that that divine exchange. I want you to be someone that's just so free from the good and the bad, and just lives a life that's just in complete lostness to those things and going like I don't it doesn't even dictate to me anymore what dictates to me is what I receive from you and what dictates to me is what I give away that's what dictates that's what I am I I am an expression of the divine I'm expression of you because I receive from you and I give you away whether that's praying for the sick whether that's giving time to someone whether that's um whatever it could be there's so many different ways but he's calling us from a from where we are to a place of, of freedom and liberty that sometimes doesn't feel comfortable getting there but it's so beautiful when we're there and we'll look back and go wow that's amazing that's phenomenal because he is with us and our identity is the fact that we that he is with us and I'll finish with this one statement because this in a way kind of encapsulates it Joseph who was obviously betrayed by his brothers who battered off loads of things he wanted to do and stuff perhaps he shouldn't have done that but betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery beaten up nearly dead not in a great place okay he was in a pit beaten up he had his clothes taken off him he was pretty much naked sold into slavery it's not in a good place there's a statement where it says and Joseph was successful in that moment and Joseph was successful the most amazing thing about that statement is the next bit it says because God was with him the Joseph went on and did phenomenal things in Egypt phenomenal things in Egypt and I'm not going to look at that today he experienced success but the beautiful thing is his success was not his identity his identity was the fact that God was with him we will experience success success is not a dirty thing it's not a bad thing having my identity in success is not good but we will experience success we will experience these things but our identity my prayers my identity and our identity is that we are people that go we're people that God is with that's who we are and from that space amazing things happen so Jesus thank you for what you've revealed to me and what we've shared this morning I just ask that you just continue to mess my mind up and bring me freedom in the ways that I think and ways that I, I my thought processes and Holy Spirit I ask that you would do the same for everybody in this room and everybody that's part of Hope Springs Church everybody that's connected to this you do the same you would do the same way where you bring us to the point of actually knowing actually my identity is found in you being with me my identity is found in what you say about me my identity is found in what you pour out into me let, let, let that be our hope and our dream for 2017 that we're those people more and more in Jesus name Amen have a good afternoon everybody